0: It's good to see you here on this blustery Easter Sunday morning. Uh, I hope today finds you well. I wish we could all be gathered together and eagerly look forward to the day when we can. We're going to start the day with prayer. Uh, As long as we're under this kind of global pandemic, our our prayer requests will largely be, be remaining the same. Pray for our president, President Trump. He would have wise and godly counselors and make wise and godly decisions. Pray for Governor Stitt, uh, that he would have wise and godly counselors and he would make wise and godly decisions. And, of course, pray for our local city council uh, as they try to make decisions for our community. Pray for our church. Pray for the churches in our community. Pray that we would all continue to serve this community well. uh, And we would do what we could so that we could offer the hope of Christ to a lost and a dying world. Pray for the, the new CEO. Of Texas County Memorial Hospital. Her name is Nancy Schmid. Uh, pray for her. Pray for the board. Pray for the staff. Pray for Dan Stiles. The board of uh, Dunaway Manor. And the staff and the residents there. Pray for our teachers. Our students. And our local school board. As they try to make all the decisions. Need to be made to finish the year out well. Pray for those in our community who would be classified as the most vulnerable. Particularly, like I said, those in the manor and others along those lines. Pray for those affected uh, with the coronavirus. At this point, we all know someone who has been affected by it. So pray for those. Pray for those who are mourning the loss, maybe, of someone. Those who are sick. Those who are under a stricter lockdown than we may be in Guyman. Pray for those who are anxious and fearful. I think the longer this goes, the longer we're quarantined, the more anxious and the more fearful people become. I don't know about you, uh, but I was out the other day. I had to go to Walmart to grab something. And, and just the way it looked and the way people, not that they were acting bad, but with the masks and the gloves, I went home and I told Kelly, I said, man, I, I am so ready for this to be over. It is not fun anymore. Not that it ever was, but man, the new has certainly worn off of it. And so people are probably getting cranky uh, and tired and anxious and fearful. And we want to pray about that. And, and pray people would turn to Jesus in this time of uncertainty. That's Really, that's what makes the church different than anything else, in anyone else in our culture right now. We are offering something no one else is offering. We're offering Jesus And so pray that we as individual disciples, we would offer Jesus. Pray our churches would offer Jesus. Pray people would come to the end of themselves. They would realize government doesn't have the answer, they don't have the answer, and they would look for something greater and bigger and larger than themselves, and they would turn to Jesus for the answer. Uh, I'm gonna read a passage of scripture, and we'll pray. Matthew 28 says the end of the Sabbath, As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not. For I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he has said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly, and tell his disciples, he is risen. And behold, goeth before you into Galilee, and there you shall see him, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run and bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go and tell my brethren that they go to Galilee, and they shall see me there. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you today. We praise you for this day and the, really the just the hope that we have because Jesus has risen. We thank you, Lord, that we do not serve a A a dead religious leader. We do not serve someone that offered great moral platitudes. But couldn't deliver anything beyond what this life had. We thank you that Christ has risen. We thank you that because Christ has risen. That our sins can be taken away. That we can live a life without any condemnation. We can be freed from slavery to our sinful nature. That even in the midst of a global pandemic. Lord we don't have to be afraid. We have a hope. A hope that is great and marvelous because our Savior lives. Guide those in our nation uh, that are fearful and anxious. Let them seek you for comfort. Let them see that you are a refuge and a place of strength and a very present help in a time of danger. Got our president to make good decisions. got our governor and our city council. Oh God, have your way in our nation in this time. Do what only you can do to bring an end to this virus and all that's going on. We know, God, this world is in your hands and you can do whatsoever you please. So bring it to an end and do it in a way that just makes people say there must be a God who rules over the earth. And then let us as your people rise up and say, there is, there is indeed. Let us tell you who he is and what he's like. Have your way in all things, we ask in Jesus' name, for His sake. Amen. You know, you don't have to be particularly perceptive to see that we live in a world floundering in hopelessness. Now, now hope was something that the world struggled under even before the pandemic began. But now that the pandemic has going, it's gotten even worse. Right? There are... There is just a, it's a worldwide struggle with hopelessness, where where people are afraid, they're confused. There are economic issues, there's turmoil in our societies. There are so many that are sick or dead because of what's going on. And beyond the, the global issues, there are the personal problems we face, which challenge our ability to have hope, right? They cause us to struggle with hopelessness. We have physical problems, we have emotional problems, we have relational problems, we have financial problems. And when these things pile on us, they can lead to discouragement. And if discouragement continues, it can lead to hopelessness. Those who have succumbed to hopelessness, they pretty well feel nothing is ever going to get better. If hopelessness persists long enough, we will give up because what's the point of trying? Most people who give up in hopelessness, they continue in life. But they do so somewhat mechanically. Right? They, they go to work and they do all the things you're supposed to do. And they can put on a good face in public where people can see. And if you ask them how they are, they'll say they're fine. But in the dark at night when it's just them. It's an entirely different story. Chances are some of you watching, you know exactly what it means to feel hopeless. You know what it is to be discouraged and to feel like it's hopeless and you might as well give up. Today I want to tell you Sunday has come. Jesus has risen and there is hope. We're going to look at a passage that talks about this. So if you have your Bible. Open them up to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 18. Romans 8 and 18 through 25. And here's what it says. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now." And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to with the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what, for what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then we wait with patience. The title of the message today is the hope, the resurrection. Let's pray again. Father, we love you today. Open our heart to receive from your word what you have for us. Let your word strengthen us. Let it stir a hope within us. Let your spirit take the word and make it living and active in our life to encourage the discouraged, strengthen the weak. Lord, to restore the prodigal And to convert the lost. Have your way in our hearts. Let your spirit fill me. And give me clarity of thought. And clarity of speech. That I could speak your words and your ways. For your glory oh God. Lord I know we are not together. Physically in a building. But Lord we are together. In Christ. Let your spirit be manifest among us. Let him speak into our hearts. Let him challenge us and change us. And strengthen us oh God for your glory. We ask in Jesus name. Amen. Now, part of what we have to notice as we read this text is the repetition of the word hope. Once in verse 20, four times in verse 24, and once in verse 25. And, and even in the verses where hope is not specifically mentioned, it is very clearly the theme, the idea, Paul is trying to get across to, this, to us in this passage. Now we also notice, Paul is explaining to us that hope is for what will happen in the future. In verse 18, there is the glory which shall be revealed unto us. In verse 20, creation is for now subject, but there is a hope to come. And then in verse 24 and 25, hope is something we've yet to receive, but are waiting for it. An eager expectation, important understand. important concept to grasp about hope from this, is hope by its very nature is unseen. We don't hope for what we have. We hope for what we have not. We don't hope for what we can yet see. We hope for what we can't yet see. And this is critical to our understanding of hope. Because in the midst of earthly trials, we often deal with heavy loads of sorrow and pain. Now, as disciples of Jesus, we know what God has promised. What will come, what will happen, what will be. However, let's be honest. There is a big difference between knowing what will be. And being excited about it when life is good. And knowing what will be. And being encouraged and hope filled by it. When life is bad. When the suffering and hardship are the present realities we can see. It can be exceedingly difficult to be encouraged and hope filled by promises we cannot see. When what we can see is the sudden death of a loved one. When what we can see is a debilitating disease we have or someone we love has. When what we can see is the the collapse of our marriage or the impending collapse of our marriage. When what we can see is the straying of our children from the Lord. When what we can see are financial problems we're facing. When what we can see is a global pandemic with no end in sight. When circumstances like that are what we can see. It can just be doggone hard to be encouraged and hope filled. By promises we cannot see. Yet as disciples of Jesus. We must be able to embrace, to be encouraged, and be hope-filled by unseen promises in the very midst of visible hardships. We have to do this because Scripture says our hope is great. Right? Notice in verse 18, Paul says that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. What a statement. The suffering of this life cannot compare to the glory of what awaits us. Now, I love the honesty of that statement. Right? While it does tell us about a great hope, it's also honest about suffering. There's no denial that life can be hard. There's no denial that trials and hardships and suffering are a part of this life instead. We are simply told, the suffering we experience now pales by comparison to the glory we'll experience then. We see in verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creature or creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The hope we have in Christ, it is so great that creation itself looks forward to the revelation of this glory. Why? Does why does creation itself look forward to the revelation of its glory? Because, according to verse 20, creation itself suffers under the weight of the fall of mankind. Verse 20, for creature, the creation, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. You know, what we see in the world right now, what's going on the way the world is, is not what God intended. God did not intend the world to be dominated by sin, by drought, by famine, by injustice, by corruption, by poverty, by sickness, by disease, by global pandemics, and by death. All of these things and so many more came into the world because of sin. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, it broke everything. Now we know that their sin, it ruptured their relationship with God. Separated them from God. Caused them to die spiritually and and created in them something that said, I will not obey you God. And they passed that separation and that sinful nature and that rebellious nature on to their descendants, down to us. That's why we struggle with anyone ruling over us, even God. That is our sin nature. However, Adam and Eve's sin did more than rupture our relationship with God. It broke everything. Creation itself was broken by their sin. Now, we don't have time this morning... But go to Genesis 2 and 3 sometime and read it. And when you do, what you'll see is Adam and Eve's sin against God. It not only caused spiritual death to enter into the world, but also physical death. Their rebellion, their sin, it started a cycle of sickness, disease, pain, and death that continues in our world today. Right, when you look at that, you're also going to find that creation itself was cursed because of their sin. Thorns and thistles and goat head stickers and natural disasters and drought and famine were not part of God's original design for creation. They came about because of the fall. Prior to the fall, the earth just produced Everything, naturally produced everything humanity needed, not just to survive, but to thrive. And after the fall, creation was cursed. And man would have to work by the sweat of his brow to scratch out a living just to survive. All of creation has been affected by sin. Now, Part of what this means is nothing in our world is as it should be, not completely. While creation does declare the glory of God with its beauty and its complexity, it does so imperfectly because it is marred by sin. What we're seeing right now with the coronavirus and this global pandemic, it is evidence. The world is broke. Things are not the way they were meant to be. And that's a part of what it means when it says creation is subject to vanity. But notice what it says. The same is subjected in what? In hope. How is there hope in a broken world? We'll look at verse 21. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. There's hope because there is deliverance from this subjection. The day will come when creation itself will be delivered from this subjection to vanity. Passages like Isaiah 35, Amos 9, they describe a time when the earth is completely transformed. It describes it in terms of like a barren desert now produces... Beautiful plants and it is filled with bubbling streams and pools of water. It pictures a time when the land will be so fruitful that it will almost ripen and be ready faster than you can harvest it. It's a picture of the paradise that was lost in the garden being restored to the world, restored to God, restored to us. And this brings an end. To poverty, to famine, to droughts, to sickness, disease, death. And this will be a day of deliverance for creation and humanity, it says. So it's creation is delivered and we are delivered at the same time. This is a visible fulfillment of all of God's promises. And it's when our unseen hopes are made visible, but... Until then, verse 22, we know the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Until then, creation groans and travails in pain caused by sin and the fall. Until then, verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting. For the adoption to it, the redemption of the body. So creation groans and travails in pain, waiting for that day. But so do we. We groan and we travail as we wait for the hope of Christ to be fulfilled. The picture in those two verses is one of pain and longing. It is the pain that accompanies sin. It is the pain that accompanies drought, the pain that accompanies famine, the pain that accompanies injustice and corruption and poverty and sickness and disease and global pandemics and death. And it is a longing, a longing for more, a longing for the fulfillment of God's promises for the day when all of this will be done away with. A day when there will be no sin, no drought. No suffering, no injustice, no sickness, no disease, and no death. Now a part of this longing is a realization this isn't the way it's supposed to be. I mean, I think, I think we know almost instinctively things are not the way they're supposed to be. Who can look at the suffering of this world and say that's the way, yes, that's the way everything's supposed to work. Who can look at the fear many people around the world live with on a daily basis and say, yes, that's the way the world is supposed to be. Who can look at the injustice of the world and say, yes, when God said the world is very good, that's exactly what He was talking about. Who could look at the disease, the sickness, the pandemic, the death, the corruption and say, yes. This is what God meant when He said His creation was very good. We know, we know it's not. And we long for things to be as they should. And that longing should cause us to look beyond ourselves. But Check out this quote by C.S. Lewis. Lewis says, if I find in myself a desire for which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is I was made for another world. The quote is sort of what I'm talking about by the groaning and longing. The groaning and longing is meant to drive us to Jesus. right? It drives us to Jesus because we know. There is nothing that eases my pain in this world. But there is nothing that makes it better. We know that there is nothing in this world that satisfies my longings. That no matter what I seek after, what I go after, it always comes up short eventually. It leaves me empty. And if nothing in this world eases my pain... And if nothing in this world satisfies my longing, then maybe, maybe we're meant to seek ease for our pain, satisfaction for our longings outside of this world. That leads us to God and the hope He gives us through Jesus. Now, biblical hope, It's not a wishy-washy, that would be cool if that happened kind of thing. Biblical hope is a well-grounded, well-founded assurance. God will do what He has said He will do. And this leads to the question though. What has God said He would do, which has yet to be done, that is so great in its glory? It makes the sufferings of this life seem as almost nothing in comparison and will ease our pain and will satisfy our longings, encourage us, fill us with hope, even in the midst of very real and very visible suffering. There are so many things, but I want to give you three this morning. First is we will be transformed. I I turn 48 next month, which isn't very old. I'm still youngish in my mind. But I've begun to realize I'm not as young as I used to be. I, I, I don't heal as fast as I used to heal. I ache in places I've never ached at before. My eyes are not as good as they used to be. And I've also realized this is just the beginning of what it means to get older. More and more I understand the words Red says when he says getting old ain't for sissies. Our physical bodies age. Our physical bodies weaken. And our physical bodies will eventually perish. And the harsh truth is No matter how young you are now, how strong you are now, how fit you are now, how healthy you are now. Your body, my body. Is perishing. Part of the hope we have. And the glory which will be revealed in us. Is the transformation we will experience when Jesus returns. In 1 Corinthians 15 Verses 50-54, through it says, Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. These bodies we have. They are not going into eternity no matter what. One of two things is going to happen. Either we are going to die. And we will be buried. And this body will rot. Or we'll be alive when Jesus comes back. And in either case, our bodies will be changed. These corruptible bodies will be changed into incorruptible bodies. These weak bodies will be changed into glorious bodies. We have a transformation coming. There is a day ahead. When all of our aches, and all of our pains, and all of our hurts, and all of the the weaknesses we feel in these bodies will be done away with. These perishing bodies will be replaced by imperishable bodies that do not ache, do not age, and will not fade away. This is a part of the glorious hope we have from God. Secondly, we will experience a glad reunion day. None of us have gotten through life without experiencing the pain of loss. I remember the very first time someone in my family died that I I was close with, that I knew well, that I can remember. It was my uncle, A.J. It was in the seventh grade. It was in January and we were out of school on a snow day and one of my aunts called my mom to tell her that my uncle AJ had passed away. I had spent all summer with my uncle and my granny and was so very close to him. At that point in my life, that was the very worst pain I had ever experienced. Since that day, I've experienced that pain so many times. Just, even just this last Thursday, Thursday evening, I found out one of my cousins passed away. We deal with pain and loss constantly. And if the reality is the longer we live, the more we're going to deal with it. I mean, the only way to get out of dealing with pain and loss is we're the one that dies, and other people experience the pain and the loss. And it's sad. It's hard. It it hurts. The pain is real and often severe. Yet we have hope. We have hope because there is a glad reunion day coming. First Thessalonians four verses sixteen. Through 18 says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. While disciples of Jesus, we do grieve and we mourn the loss. Of our loved ones. We do not mourn in hope. We do not grieve. We do grieve in hope. We do mourn in hope. And there is hope. Because we will see them again. There is hope. Because we will be with them. And with Jesus. For all of eternity. This is a part. Of the glorious hope. God has promised. And then finally, we will be transformed. We will experience a glad reunion day. We will see Jesus. Probably the greatest aspect of our hope and the glory to come is seeing and being with Jesus. In this life, we can truly know Jesus. We we know Him imperfectly though. We know Him by faith. We know Him through the revelation of Scripture and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And while our relationship with Jesus is wonderful and we do truly know Him, what we have now really cannot be compared to what we will experience then when we see Jesus in all of His glory. Like in 1 John 3 and 2, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Think about that for a second. Think about seeing Jesus as He is. So when we see Jesus as He is, we'll not see the meek and the mild carpenter from Galilee. We'll see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We'll see the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We'll see the One who is the brightness of the Father's glory and upholds all things by the Word of His power. We'll see the One who has a name above all names. We will see the One to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord over all. Don't visualize the meek and the mild carpenter from Galilee. Read Isaiah 6. Read Revelation 4. To get a picture of what we'll see. When we see Jesus in His glory. And then just worship. Just worship at the thought. Of seeing Him that way. And being welcomed in Him in that way. And hearing from Him well done. My good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy Of your Lord. Oh friends. To finally see. Our great and glorious Savior. Will be amazing. As the old song says. It will be worth it all. When we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small. When we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face. All sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race. Till we see Christ. This is part of the glorious hope God has promised. But how can we know? How can we be sure? These things are true. Look at verse 32. Romans 8. He that spared not his own son. But delivered him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? You know, the moment Adam and Eve fell into sin, God made a promise. He promised that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that crushing would break Satan's hold over mankind. It would... Well, it really... At that point in Genesis, it's not clear what all it would do. But as the Old Testament revelation rolls on, we we see it would cause many to be justified. It would take away sin. That by His stripes there would be healing. And God kept that promise. The promise of our redemption. The promise of our salvation. The promise of our spiritual healing. And He kept it, though it cost His Son... His life. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And His death on the cross was the way the serpent bruised His heel, but He crushed the serpent's head. Listen, listen friend, as Jesus died on the cross, but it's not poor, pitiful Jesus. It's not Jesus came and was a good guy and He did good things and He taught great things and He did wonderful miracles, but the people were mean. Oh, poor Jesus. No! That was the reason He came. He came to die a horrible, painful death in which all of our sin and all of God's wrath against our sin was poured out upon Him. And He absorbed it until He cried out, It is finished! And then He gave up the ghost. And He laid in the tomb for three days. And then He rose again. And the point Paul was making in verse 32... Is if God will keep the promise of our redemption, though it means the awful death of His Son, though it means the painful death of His Son, though it means His Son would take hell in our place, won't He do the rest? I mean, if I can look at the cross and I can see Jesus as my Savior, I can see through that my sins are forgiven. Can I look at the cross and say everything else is true? Everything else is right. We should. Scripture says that Jesus is the yes and the amen to all of God's promises. So the key takeaway, the key truth, hope is built on what God has said and is secured by what Jesus has done. Our hope It's built on what God has said and it is secured by what Jesus has done. This is the hope of the resurrection. This is the hope we have in Christ. This doesn't mean hard times won't come. Doesn't mean we won't have our share of pain and sorrow. We will. Many of you right now, you you are. At this moment, you are. But it does mean when these times come, we have a hope so great, we don't give up in hopelessness. Instead, we see the present suffering through the lens of future glory and we drive on in faith knowing the glory we experience then will be greater than our suffering now. And this doesn't minimize how great our suffering is now. It just magnifies how great the glory will be then. However, I would be remiss if I didn't say this hope is only for those who have repented of their sins. And believed on Jesus Christ. Repentance is a change of mind about God and sin that results in a change of life. Repentance starts by recognizing God is right and we are wrong. God is right about our sin. We have sinned. Our sin is serious. Our sin is against God and our sin makes us guilty in the courts of the Lord. Repentance then leads us to turn To God. Away from our sins. Seeking forgiveness based upon the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We do this because we believe. We believe Jesus died for our sins. We believe Jesus rose again. Listen, we must believe that it's not enough to believe there's a God out there somewhere. That's not enough. That doesn't give us this kind of a hope. It's not enough to believe Jesus was real. That doesn't give us this kind of a hope. We must believe Jesus died for us in a personal way. He died for my sins You must believe He died for your sins. You must believe He rose again. You must believe that Jesus is the only hope you have. That there is no goodness in you, no, no justice in you, nothing in you that makes you worthy before God. It is only Jesus. And when you believe that... You will turn to God. You will turn from your sin. You will cling to the cross. And you will say, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And in that moment you will be born again. You will be transformed. The Spirit of the living God will come to live within you. And you will be given the hope we have talked about this morning. Dear friend, if you have never repented of your sins and believed in Jesus Christ, everything has to start there. Everything has to begin there. Do it today. On this day, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. You turn to Jesus and you experience a resurrection of your own. Friend, if you are a believer, but you've strayed, you've become a prodigal, and you've drifted, Let today be the day you go back. Let today be the day you get back on the narrow path and you begin to surrender and serve Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your being. I'm going to pray and we'll have communion. Heavenly Father, we love You today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We are thankful today for the hope we have in Christ. We are thankful today. You're thankful there is a transformation coming. Lord, my knees will not always ache. My eyes will not always be blurry. We'll not always be in these frail bodies. There's a day where we'll have a glad reunion day. We'll see our loved ones who have gone on, who believed in you. See Sean again. Oh God. Thank you for that hope. Thank you that I'll get to see Jesus. In all of his glory. And I'll hear him say well done. thou good and faithful servant. Oh Father. Guide us today and strengthen us. In your hope. Strengthen us. In your son. And Lord in this time. That is anxious. In this time that is fearful, where things are so uncertain, guide us, oh God, as your people to stand to say there is a hope so much greater than the sufferings of this life. The two cannot be compared. And let us be bold in pointing people to Jesus. Oh, help us, oh God, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, if you have your, your cup. For communion, go ahead and grab it. Get your, secure your bread. There's, a, there's two seals. Yeah. There we go. So go ahead and get your bread. Hold it out. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which He was betrayed, He took bread. When He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take and eat. This is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. Let's eat in remembrance of Christ's body which was broken for us. Your cup and open it carefully. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took the cup and when he had drank, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink in remembrance of Christ's blood which was shed for the remission of our sins. Glad you were here. I look forward to the day we can be together and do this as a church family in one place. I want to mention be sure to still consider send in your, your giving. Uh, the needs of the financial needs of the church continue. You can mail the check. Some have already done it. Post Office Box 1707, Guyman, Oklahoma 73942. If you send it in, Lavina will get it. Uh, you can bring it to the church. Drop it off with me. either In a sealed envelope or I'll give you one. Uh, and you can. I'll thank sure Levina gets it. I've already had a couple bring it in. I'm here Monday through Thursday for sure. Uh, sometimes on Friday and often on Saturday. I'm always here around noon. So you can call me or text me to find out when I'm here. And then you can give online. That address is all together. No spaces. Uh, and, and you can do your giving there. May the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace of believing. So you abound in hope for the power of the Holy Spirit. I love you guys.